Thank you for choosing the Soul Purpose Podcast with yours truly, Coach Brian Thomas. Let's take a journey of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And let's make sure that while we're on the journey, we never forget who we are. We never forget where we're going. And most of all, we develop the purpose that makes us who we are. Let's go. Good evening, everybody. I want to thank you for tuning into the Soul Purpose Podcast with yours truly, Coach Brian Thomas. This evening, I have a dynamic young lady. Now, most of the young ladies that I've had conversations with, they've been on the East Coast time frame. But this one is an hour behind me, which means that her dopeness, you got to go into another time zone. But here's the lovely thing about this young lady. She stands on her own. Her voice is dynamic. But most of all, she has a message that is going to make you think. And so I was introduced to this young lady. Uh, We just kind of crossed paths a couple of months ago. She saw some of my content. I checked out some of her content. We saw that it was definitely something that we want to come together and work on. And here she is now, the one and only life coach, relationship coach, a relationship extraordinaire that is going to bring you to an awareness of how to not only handle people, but how to maneuver in life. The one, the only, Brandy Yates. Now, Brandy. Yes. How are you this evening? You're hour behind, so your dopeness, while it is uh, seven, after seven here, it is after six there, which means that you're lucky. You get a chance to do stuff <laughs> seven o'clock that I can't do because I'm already after seven o'clock. How are you this evening? Well, I, I guess, but I am actually good. I was looking forward to this. Um, I do love your content. I feel like, you know, we are different, but we are more alike than we are different. So <laughs> I love tuning into your content. I don't always get to see it often, but when I do, it's right on point. So glad I get an opportunity to do this with you. Well, I appreciate that, definitely. And I want to, first of all, thank you for taking out time out of your busy schedule. Listen, y'all, this woman is busy. I was a little nervous about, hey, when are we going to get this together? And then she just came back and responded back to me, which lets you know that she is definitely, if it's worth it, she is going to give you a chance. If it's not worth it, let me tell you, I didn't see her shut some people down on social media, but I, I, I am not finna do it. Guys, women, pastors, anybody, because she stands on what it is that she believes in. Now, you have a very unique way of looking at relationships, which I love. So can you describe as a relationship coach, what are some of the things that you see that are contributing to some of the issues that we have in relationships today? A lot of it, um, and this is probably sound really cliche, but um, a lot of it is our own trauma that's contributed to it. Um, it's our trauma, definitely our mindsets. You know, we all have grown up differently. So we were either raised differently or and or we went through things in life that traumatized us to where it shaped our mindsets to where it's almost in a, what I like to call a survival mode. Now, survival mode. Tell us more about that because one of the things that I've noticed, you know, because I am a relationship coach myself, mm-hmm. 
Um, what are some of the the elements of survival mode that has really made it difficult for people to develop in relationships? I think we tend to forget that relationships are not always about what I can get, but what you can give. And so when I say survival mode, I feel like we are always, well, what can you bring me? What can you bring me? What do I get? What do I get to where we are? We're literally just hopping to whoever can give us the best of whatever it is we're looking for versus the person who um, actually fits well with us to do life together. If that makes sense. No, see that that was perfect because you are talking about something that I think a lot of individuals they don't dive into. And the one of the things that I have learned in my time as a relationship coach, I don't know if you've been down that road. I've been there for you know last two or three years exclusively. But uh what we would consider to be a good fit, um, I've heard the phrase. Um, compatibility. But someone brought something to my attention about really sustainability, meaning that you, how you start are able to sustain in a relationship actually matters more than compatibility because compatibility is something that's going to change. So when a person or two people are coming together in a relationship, how important is compatibility as opposed to sustainability? What's crazy is that was actually my first time hearing that. And the really? Way, yes. And but the way you just broke that down, I absolutely agree with that from the standpoint that I believe compatibility is the start. So of course, you know, you got to be compatible. There's there has to be some type of spark, attraction, interest, common goals something to stand on as the foundation of, okay, you know, I can give this person a little more time. That's the compatibility. But the sustainability, you're, you, whoever said that, <laughs> brought that up, they are absolutely right. You can have compatibility all day, but if you can't sustain anything after that initial attraction, it's over with. Now, you said something that is definitely something that I have had to discover about attraction. So recently I did a series. I don't know if you had a chance to catch it, but I recently did a series that called the four stages of attraction. And what I think a lot of people don't understand about attraction is that attraction is something that it can only be sustained by factors that have nothing to do with what you see. And so how important is it to get beyond the attraction so that a relationship can grow? So I think for me personally, I feel like people have to know what stage of life or what season they are in. So if you are only in the season of, I'm just here to have fun, you know, let's go with the flow. You don't really have no end goal. Then the compatibility going to only be as far as the outer look is, you know, so, okay, you fine, you're sexy, you're cute, you know, whatever it is, you know, even the money, I, I feel like that will be some type of attraction as it relates to men. So women going to, you know, they'll be like, oh, he got money. I love that. So if you only are in your fun stages, then that works. You know, you can keep going from person to person with that. But if you are looking for something long-term, 
you're going to have to get past that outer part of that and figure out the actual mindset of this person. Now, I get in trouble a lot of times because I am the gentleman who will fight against this element of the financial aspect. Now, do I believe finances are an element that you should tackle in a relationship? I do. However, what you find out is that even with the financial provision in place, relationships are still failing. Can you possibly explain why, even if the financial aspect is in place, there is still a failure that goes on in those relationships. I am a life coach. I focus on intimate and platonic relationships. So that foundation starts off of accountability and mindset change. So it doesn't matter. You're right. It doesn't matter how much money you got. You can be the richest of the richest. If you, if you don't know how to hold yourself accountable, if you don't have the mindset change needed, to make that relationship work and to mend, you know, whatever trauma, whatever, you know, wrongs happen. If you don't have any of that, it don't matter how much money you have, it ain't going to work. See, this is why I like having a conversation with you today. You said something that, and and I'm a wordsmith. You (laughs) said mindset change. Dive into that deeper because I want the listeners to understand how important mindset is. Oh, that is, it's almost something I can't do as a generalization. A generalization, I'm sorry, I got tongue tied. But it's, it's like, let me see, what word do I want to use? It's almost a case by case type mindset, if that makes sense. Because case everybody. It's great that you said that. And the reason why I say case by case is because one of the things that we have a responsibility um, as coaches is to take away the excuses of generalizations and actually get people to think. So that's perfect how you put that. Absolutely. That's exactly what we do. Um, It's the thing is, again, it is knowing yourself. I, I tell people all the time, like, We want these relationships so bad, but you want a relationship with a whole different human being when you don't even know yourself. So when you can't even have a stable mindset, when your emotions aren't stable within themselves, it's almost impossible to even make something form with somebody else because you're not only learning your your mindset, you got to learn theirs too. And if you don't know yours, that's a, where we going? Where we at? You don't even know yours. So how are you going to learn theirs? That is good. Now, what are some of the challenges? Now, we're going to be diving into um, the ladies because I noticed that uh, many of the ladies have an affinity to come to your direction and you give it to them as real as it can get. What are some of the main issues that the ladies that you come across are having when it comes to building relationships, developing in their life, just general things? What are some of the main issues that you're having with them? This, um, it, again, this may sound so cliche, but um, accountability is a major one. Um, Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. That's a a cuss word. I know you have about three of them, but that's that's two, accountability. Tell me why accountability, and we're going to 
consider that accountability is tough on both men and women. But why exclusively is it tougher for women to have a level of accountability? I feel like we are in a society where it just seems like, you know, more women are left doing a lot of things by themselves. So, you know, raising the kids by themselves, um, getting into business by themselves, you know, making more money by themselves. I feel like because we are in a generation where you do see more women stepping up to the plate, it's almost like we can't do any wrong. Like we're not here because of us. We're here because of men. And while though that is partially true, that is not all the way true. So in order to get to the end goal, in order to get to healing, in order to make a relationship work, you can't always blame somebody else for it. You have to take a step back and look at what you could have did differently and what you could be, you know, changing even for the future in order to create a different lifestyle than you're currently living. I love what you said and how accountability is really an ultimate responsibility to take ownership of what it is that you're looking to do. And one of the things that I run across with many men is many of the men nowadays, they don't understand that in order to walk in a relationship with many of the women, you're going to have to take responsibility in areas that she may not be ready to take responsibility for. And so with guys, I run pushback because, you know, I've dealt with uh, the guys that come in and say, oh, you know, sometimes you can be too soft or sometimes you can be one that um, doesn't really understand. But the thing that I've had to develop as a coach is that your feelings at the end of the day do not make decisions for you. You make the decision. How you feel is how you feel. And we'll never, ever take that away from somebody. Mm -hmm. But your decisions determine your level of maturity. Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask you this, because I really feel like one day, and I don't know if you're already doing this, I could be giving you something to think about. Okay. But the aspect of preparing for the next level. And what I mean by the next level is preparing for that thing called marriage. On a scale of one to 10, or if you were to throw a percentage, how many people that are talking about it actually are ready for what comes with that next level? How many people do you think are really ready? So out of, uh, out of 10 people that say, hey, I want to get married, how many people do you think will really be ready? On a level of one to 10, with the way, especially the conversation I throw out there and then just monitoring people's social medias and just seeing like their content and their responses, uh, you said how many already? <laughs> you just, throw not you throw a percentage out there. Out of one to 10, I would say probably about nine or not ready. Wait a minute, time out. You said nine out of 10 are not ready. That's my experience. I find that people people are more focused on the ring. They're focused on the last name change. Time out, time out, time out, time <laughs> okay. out, time out. Sorry. That is, 
listen, I, I I told you before we even got on camera, I'd have told you that you you like to write a little, you like to fire a little rocket under my tail with, with your content. Let's talk about that ring aspect. Let me tell you, I've been engaged twice and I've been married once. The first time that I got engaged, she said, this ring is too small. And she fried me so bad. The ring is too small. And you're, you know, you're not ready. The person that she ended up marrying that gave her the ring that she wanted to, it fell fast because the person that she chose, he was able to pull her with the ring, mm -hmm. but he was not able to really, really encourage her or build her up. And so there were times that she picked up the phone and called me and was like, hey, what should I do here? And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. So talk about that ring aspect that why is you, do you believe it's so emphasized in um, the relationships that are going towards marriage? Why do you think it's, uh, it's such a strong emphasis? I feel like a lot of us are, are very materialistic. We will say we're not, but we really are. We want, we want to have the appearance to other people that we got it made or that we are better than, I wouldn't necessarily say better than them, but we are better than what, you know, the normal is. And so we want the appearance of looking better. So we want that big ring. We want this extravagant wedding, you know, nice car, nice house, nice pictures, videos, vacations. But I mean, that's, that's not substance that's going to hold anything together. Now, Materialistic is something that I believe, and I'm going to say this lightly because I know I'm going to have listeners, <laughs> but I believe that probably over half of the young ladies that are looking to get married or get into that relationship, I believe that, you know, they have somewhat of a strong material aspect. Some of them grow out of it, but some of them, they don't grow out of it until life hands them, life hands them this, this rite of passage that lets them know, okay, this is what you're asking for, but this is what is going to be required. Now, how much work do you believe that it takes for a relationship to work in order to get to marriage. Not even talking about marriage, because you know what we'll do? We will, when we do part two, I want you to dive into the marriage aspect. But today we're going to dive into the outskirts, the relationship. We'll dive into, um, on part two, we'll dive into the marriage aspect, which, by the way, you're coming back for season two. I'm just, okay. I, I had already, I had already decided. I just got that. I'm like, okay, he said, come back. All right. <laughs> No, I had already decided. There's some people that I'm going to be uh, interviewing on this podcast that I already want to come back for season two because in season two, I want to make sure that the listeners know the quality of content that I am inspired by. You're one of those individuals. I see what you do. So back to the question, how much work do you think it actually takes to, to make a relationship work nowadays? And to be honest, I can't measure it, if that makes sense. Um, 
And then as a, as a coach, I don't, Mm -hmm. it's again, going back to that case by case. So once I hear, (laughs) once I hear your trauma, you know, once I hear where you're at and where you're trying to go, that's how I measure how much work will, you know, what needs to be done. Because again, some don't need a lot of work, a lot of work. Some do. And then not only that, the work is not, if you're trying to get to marriage, the work, even though you're doing the work, the person that take interest in you may not necessarily be doing the work. So then that's the other aspect of the whole work needs to be done in order to get to the marriage. Listen, this is what I love about your approach, because one of the mistakes that I see a lot of the coaches make is they get caught up in either classifying people. And so they use the same methodology on everybody or they're lazy and they don't sit down and study their craft. Like one of the things that I notice about you is I notice your study habits as a coach. I know you're sitting down when you're not putting posting content. I know you're sitting down and I know you're watching content and you're not watching the content. You know, a lot of these coaches nowadays, they pay attention to the content mm-hmm. that is available maybe the last 10, possibly 20 years. Yeah. When I did my um, direction of relationships uh, Zoom, I don't know if you had a chance to catch it, but if you didn't, I'll I'll make sure you get it. Actually, I I have it posted on the uh, podcast platform. Okay. I went back probably before anybody, any of us were born. I went all the way back to the 1920s. I went from 1920s to the 2020s. I went up, I went back a hundred years. And I was sitting down and looking at how things develop coming into the 20s, the Great Depression, going into the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, 60s. Around the 70s, we saw the first wave of feminism. Mm-hmm. Around the 80s, feminism kind of died. 90s, feminism started to rise up. 2000s, feminism started to get stronger. 2010s, with the elections and the different presidents, feminism started to be at an all-time high. Feminism started to be at an even more all-time high, probably about 2016, 2017. And so it's been a fight and a struggle of trying to really understand women's places and men's places. And so now what we're seeing is we're seeing a return back to the structure of the 1920s. That's Mm -hmm. what we're seeing. We're seeing where the family dynamic and structure is returning back to where things were 100 years ago. And this is crazy because people, a lot of people would not pay attention to the trend. I started seeing the trend probably like a year ago or so. So for the strong, independent woman, what advice would you give to them that, they can really be able to receive the love that they deserve. Um, I always start with healing. Um, my brain, I, I, I can't, I can't stress enough that you gotta tackle the roots. It don't matter. You can't cover anything without tackling the roots, pulling it up, getting down to the nitty gritty, figuring out what it is that's, you know, steady setting you back. And then you build from there once you tackle your roots. Um, for women, I would say too, because we're so emotional, uh, we got to get to a point where we know how to balance our emotions. And so we got to fi- start figuring out how to compartmentalize. 
Now you can be strong. You can be that strong, independent woman, but you have to be that outside of the house. Once you get in that house and back into your, you know, relationship or marriage, you now have to be able to allow that man to be a man. You can't bring that strong woman back into that house. It don't, it's not going to work. We, we see it now. It's not working. Com- compartmentalize. Compartmentalize. That is something that men do very well, but that is something that I think many women, they struggle to do unless they have a man that's patient enough to really guide them to what is going to be the best solution um, for that. Now, you know, we've talked about the women and you know what I love about you. You're going to tell the truth. Men (laughs) also what do you believe is the biggest issue with why men are failing in the initial uh, elements of building a relationship? Why do you think men are having that issue? I personally don't believe that they are taught or trained to. I believe they are trained to be providers, but in being a provider. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. So you mean to tell... Uh, uh-oh, we're, we're debunking the myth. You mean to tell me that a man being a provider is not enough? It's not enough. Not a, a financial provider. Let's let's put that up. Okay. Just only being a financial provider is not enough. Wow. We have not trained our men to know how to provide emotionally. Come on. We have not trained them to provide. You, um, you mentioned something about um, the man being patient enough to lead her or guide her into, I guess, calming down and not being the strong woman. Those are all parts of providing, but we haven't taught them to do that. We taught them to be fathers and we taught them to bring the money in, mm-hmm. but actually being, and we say we, we say we teach them to be husbands, but I don't think we teach them to be husbands. I think we teach them again, financially provide and possibly be good fathers. That's it. But that's not enough. Now, You said something about the fathers. Do you believe that there is a void of fathers in our culture? I do. And that is something that um, I have run across where the previous generation, I would say, the not the generation of my parents or my grandparents, but the generation after that, it seems as though there was some type of gap that happened. And so you have these hyper, I'm not going to call them hypersensitive men, but I'm going to call them men who really are scrambling to be providers. Like one of the things that I grew up seeing was I grew up seeing my father provide, him not make excuses, him doing whatever was necessary because he realized I can't drop the ball. But it seems as though the men of today are caught up in getting something that they don't have the ability to hold on to. And what I mean is this. You have men that they want to provide because they want a lot of women to see what they have, Mm -hmm. but not who they are. Mm -hmm. So do you believe to a certain extent there is a level of an identity crisis with the men and that is spearheading why 
they are not able to really build with the women, the good women that are available today. So this may this may sound like it doesn't match. <laughs> I, I want you to, I want you to give it to me as real as you can. That's what I brought you on here for. For for me, what I've observed and there's just things I find out from my male clients and just random men that just have conversations with me is I think we feel like because men are supposed to be strong that they never are supposed to be weak. And when I say that, we don't provide a safe space for them to mm -hmm. fully be men. And now don't get that confused with me saying, teaching them how to be a man, but we don't provide them that emotional space either to get it on out because they don't get it out like we do, but sometimes they need to just get it out with being out, without being judged and then going to go figure it out. That is why I like what you just said. <laughs> you And you said it may not match, and I was like, I think it will. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the angle. Yeah, but yeah. that is 100% true. Like, one of the things that I see in our culture is that there are not a lot of men who are skilled in expressing themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I have, you know, my guy friends that I talk to from time to time. And there are times that I will kind of shun away from sharing different things with them because it's like, well, that is, you know, that's a little bit on the softer side. You don't mm -hmm. need to express. Mm -hmm. One of the things I love about my dad he said this, and this quote I take with me all the time. It has kept me out of trouble. Mm -hmm. It has kept me from saying and doing stuff that I really didn't need to do. Okay. He said, you have a right to every feeling that you are feeling. You Absolutely. have a right to it. You have a right to it. Absolutely. But then this is the part that left no excuse. He said, but you have a responsibility that when you feel that way, you got to get to a solution because guess what? Your feelings are not an excuse for you to participate in dysfunction. Absolutely. So that in and of itself has really, when it came down to some relationships that failed, I had to take responsibility that the reason why some of these relationships that I was in failed was because I let my emotions blind me to the reality that this person was not best for me. Now, emotions, that's a whole, that, that is a whole like <laughs> podcast episode we can do. But we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna dive too, too deep, but we're gonna dive a little deep. So emotions, how does emotional instability affect a relationship it affects it drastically i mean you're on a roller coaster you know what roller coasters do to you you're on them you're up and down you're turning around you're flipping you upside down it's just a bunch of stuff going on there and when you get off the roller coaster your head kind of all over the over the place you got to chill a minute you got to regroup but that does not always happen when you're on that emotional roller coaster so it's like you never get the time to balance those emotions out. You just get up and go to the next day. That's and pack it. on, yeah, pack on more emotions, unresolved issues, and it just it just builds and builds and builds. That is definitely something that 
people will have and they don't know how to deal with it. Now, here's something else that I believe that you are really good at assessing and I've seen you do it. But what do you do when you're dealing with individuals who emotionally respond to questions that require a mature answer? I'm going to give you an example <laughs> of something that it happened. And at first, I didn't understand why it did that. But then I, my, my pastor at the time had explained it to me. So I had put up a picture of two women. The two women that I put up was Paige from Married at First Sight and Carrie Hilson. I don't know if we were friends, Facebook friends at that particular point in time. We might have been or you might have not have seen that. Okay. But I put a picture of, un, so above Paige's picture from Married at First Sight, it was your plan. Then the page, so that over uh, Carrie Hilson's head was God's plan. I got called a colorist so bad. And I was like, why is it that I'm being called a colorist? And then my pastor at the time said this, most individuals in the world do not have the cognitive ability to decipher between an emotion that is part of a perspective that is yet to develop and the reality of what the person is really saying. So the question that I have is this, what is it that you say to help those, those individuals navigate out of those emotions and actually think about the reality of their perspective? What is it that you say to them? Because I'm going to tell you this, I've come to find out that a lot of people only know how to communicate emotionally where they are, mm -hmm. but they don't know how to communicate who they are. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you help individuals identify who they are so that their emotion doesn't drown out the person that they really are? So to be honest, um, I feel like what helps me continue to, first of all, learn the coaching still, because I'm still learning <laughs> as I go. Because uh, everybody is so are, different. <laughs> Every, you think you conquered it and somebody comes, you're like, whoa, I ain't think about that one. But uh, my thing is, I don't answer it for you. I, I present questions to you and I make you think because people are not, they're not heavy on thinking and discerning because they really don't have to, like they're not challenged to. So for me, my biggest thing to bring you out of your emotion and bring you, I mean, maybe 2% of the time it don't work because people are just stuck on just winning the argument. So my goal is to bring you out of your emotion to get you to comprehend versus just communicating is by asking you questions based off everything that you're saying so that way you can't say well you're saying you said this or you said that no i'm going back off what you said so all my questions now is based on what you said so it almost puts them in a uh, it almost makes them I, I use the analogy you just 
tied your shoelaces, you just tied your left shoe to your right shoe. So you actually just tied yourself up to the point where you started even answering your own questions and having to look back at your own self because you're saying things that don't make sense, but I'm making you answer them for yourself. Now, I don't know if that, I don't know if that made any kind of sense. Wow. No, it makes perfect sense because, (laughs) because what you're essentially doing is you're getting people to get out of their own way and actually think about how they are cognitively really understanding what it is that they're answering to. Like, okay, one of the things that I have learned how to do, um, and you you see this on social media that I do, I've become a master at it. (laughs) I have become a master of it writing statuses that reveal the chips on people's shoulders. Yes. I've become a master at it. And one of the things that I learned, and this is from just my sociology background, is that a lot of times you, the person that you are, and it's the state of trying to be accepted, you will accept things about an individual, even if you don't like them, for the sake of them liking you. Yes. But yes. there comes a point in time where in order to accept who you are, you have to reject what other people are doing so that you can find yourself. Like yeah. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you an example. And it just it it's gotten under so many people's skin. <laughs> but I came to, and I came to a realization. I did live on it um earlier and I came to a realization about it. But one of the things that I do not have a really a strong like for is watermelon, right? I went on this, I can't eat, I can't stand, I don't like watermelon campaign. And uh-huh. I had people be like, you don't know what you're missing. You don't like this. Oh my God, something's wrong with you. And it came to the realization that I got more attention because I said something that I disliked that everybody said and suggested that you should like. And because of that, people sometimes they will attack you because of things that you decide not to do because everybody else is doing it. So there's a lot of what I would consider to be there's a lot of, you know, sheep that walk around that don't necessarily have a grip on who they are, yet they want to be accepted. So um, my next question to you is this. How important is it for you to accept yourself than anything? Shoot, a hundred percent important. <laughs> right. Now, does it happen? No, but a hundred percent important because the thing is, and it goes back to that water, watermelon um, thing, you be bugging, having me cracking up over this. Because I see the the humor in it, you can and you can see that you're like you're having fun, and you can I'm having so much really, fun. Yeah, and people are really kind of like, what? And you just having fun with it. I'm like, why are they even taking it that serious? But the thing is, is once you accept you, like I even say, when you accept your past, your flaws, the, the sin you did, whatever sin that is, when you accept that, can nobody use that against you? to make you feel like you're not worth anything. But until you accept that, you're always going to be, you're always going to be like you said, sheep. You're always going to be tossed to and fro because you're going to be going wherever 
you need to go in order to be accepted. And a lot of times that's going to be on the wrong path. It's an identity crisis. Listen, the identity crisis of our culture. There are so many people who, um, and we're going to dive into relationships and then um, I got a few more questions and then we're going to get out of here. I'm going to have, I'm going to tell you this right here. I am going to have so much fun <laughs> editing this because <laughs> I understand that there are certain individuals that are on the pathway to making a big difference. You're one of those individuals, but we'll talk about that offline. Um, but one of the things in relationships that I see, and I see this primarily for many women, there are so many women who they want to be accepted by a man yeah. that they're willing to take on the role of wife mm -hmm. in order to be accepted by a man because maybe, just maybe, dad didn't show up mm -hmm. or maybe dad was so focused on providing financially mm -hmm. he didn't have the opportunity to express so what message would you give to the young ladies who from a male perspective had not had that acceptance from that man that are looking for it from men that are basically presented to them mm. I almost hate saying this because now this one is really cliche. You got to say it. Listen, Look, I get tired. Of, I, I ain't going to even lie. I get tired of hearing people say it. I <laughs> stop that already. Like right. you're saying it because it sounds good, but you don't really believe it. But in your actions is why, you know, you could tell a person don't really believe it, but it's the self-love. Like you got to know that you can experience genuine love without having a man. And when I say having a man, I'm meaning an intimate man. The thing is, and um, this, this can go deeper too, you can experience love from the opposite sex without having sex with them. If you have genuine friendships, Say if that you have again. genuine, you know, family members, you know, you can experience love from the opposite sex without needing to jump into, as you said a little earlier, wife role for a man just to be accepted. Like we, it's the self-love, it's the unlearning these things that we've been taught and relearning this thing all over again. Mm. So you mean to tell me, and I'm going to say this loudly, I might even turn my microphone up on this one. <laughs> You mean to tell me that we can actually receive love outside of the romantic aspect that is overemphasized in our culture? You absolutely can, and I and I actually think it needs to come first. Mm. Wow. That needs to come first. And once we have that, I feel like that will stop a lot of the crazy intimate things we've been having if i believe it would slow down on the whole baby mama baby daddy gap because it's almost like we're looking for love so bad to where we're willing to have children with a person that has not committed to us and that's a whole nother podcast listen 
you didn't say something about commitment, but we ain't got as much time to dive into that. Yeah. And so uh, one of the things that I am going to embark upon is I'm going to embark upon. Um, so I am currently going to be um, I've, I've got a co-host that's coming. I'm going to be um, we're going to be talking and developing some things and in January 2023. So I'm giving you a heads up and everybody else is going to listen to this. But I'm bringing back an old co-host and we have worked well together. But one of the things that we're going to be diving into is we're going to be diving into aspects about commitment because commitment is something that a lot of people really don't want to um, really understand what mm-hmm. is put into it. Now, I got two, possibly three more questions, and then we're going to get you out of here. Now, my next question is this. Why is it that people commit to individuals that they know for a fact ain't best for them? You said that's not for them? That's not best for them. Like, you know how you see some people who they get into a relationship or they commit and they've already seen the red flags. And like um, one of my favorite pastors that I'm learning, uh, Tim Ross, he said something about when you love somebody, the red flags turn fuchsia, they turn pink. Oh, that's blue. That's my favorite. Oh, that's a blue flag. I'm going to stay committed. And knowing good and well, he got a roster. Or fellas, you know good and well, she liked to spend money. But we want to commit because we... I think we're going to change. So why do you believe that people commit to people that they already know? It's ain't going to be the best. This ain't going to be the best person for me. We hate to say this. We hate to admit it because we don't want to sound like this is what we're doing. But we like to change people. We like to change people. We like to, as they, I don't know if you see them little stats, but we like to build a bear. So it's almost like, you can have 10 things wrong, but if you got, if that 11th thing is on my list, oh, I what? can work with that. I can work with that. I can work with the one thing, even though the 10 things is bad, I can work with the one because I'm the one who's going to change you. I'm mm. just that good. Mm. Mm. I'm going to let y'all marinate on that for two and a half seconds. <laughs> okay, and then my last question, and then we're going to wrap up here, but like I said, season two, you, you got to come on here. Okay. My last question is this. For the ones who are listening and they're on the fence about getting some type of coaching or therapy, what would you say to them that's going to strongly recommend that this is a route that they need to consider? Ooh. Um, it's definitely a route to consider because we can't, nobody can do life alone. You've got to have somebody with you. You've got to have an accountability partner. You've got to have a safe space. So for a lot of people in these days, friends and family are not safe spaces and they are not accountability partners. So Ooh, I do. That was deep. What you just they, they I need to repeat that for the people in the back, the church mothers, the past. <laughs> All of them repeated again. Family, it's, it's, it's the reality. A lot of our family members, a lot of our friends are not safe spaces for us. They go and tell our business. They go talk about us. They do not give us the correct advice because they simply just don't care. They want to hear it and then they want you to go on about your business so they can go about their business. So a lot of friends and family are not what we need when we're going on a healing mm. journey and a growth journey. They're just not. So 
I, I mean, I can't convince you to have that mindset, but eventually I, I suggest you get to that mindset because you do need the help along this journey. You can't walk it by yourself. And so um, I do recommend a therapist or a life coach. And I actually have clients who have both. Mm. And so, and I recommend both because some of us deal with deeper traumas. So you need that therapist to help walk you through those deeper traumas. And then you got, you know, sometimes you know, it's not that deep no more. I'm healed enough. I don't want to talk about the past no more. I'm good on that. How can I move forward? That's where your life coach will come in at. So, you know, I recommend one or both. Listen, y'all, this podcast episode is on the brink of exploding. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to leave you with a cliffhanger because when season two comes and part two comes, she is going to open up a can of worms. <laughs> so my last thing um, for the listeners, where can they find you and connect with you so that they can get a portion of what I got today or tonight while we were doing this? So I always tell people, if you wear your heart on your sleeves, you may not want to follow me. But for those who are interested, you can find me on all platforms, TikTok, Instagram, uh, Facebook, at Conquering Relationships. Just type that in. It should get you to me. That is perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, the extraordinary Brandy Yates. I had a wonderful time walking down this wonderful podcast road. So for those that tuned in, you get ready because some of the guests that I'm bringing on here, they're going to come back and they're getting ready to change the world like never before. And she will be one of those individuals. Again, Brandy, thank you for coming with me on this journey. And for those that are tuned in, we will catch you up later or talk to you later at the Soul Purpose Podcast. Yes, yes. Enjoy y'all listening. <laughs> All right, y'all.